let's just be honest for a minute. Stop trying to change the world to be like you or see things like you. They hate you and they hate the God that you serve. Welcome to Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast for this week. And I want to preface by saying, yes, this is a little late and no, I don't apologize. Um, Given the week's circumstances and events that took place, unfortunately, um, let's just start here. We all know what happened on Wednesday. If we don't, um, look it up. (laughs) I don't really want to go too much into detail. But what I will say is that Wednesday was a tough day for me, not so much because of what happened in Washington, D.C., but what Wednesday was for me prior to that. So I want to start there. Um, but this week has been a tough week. I mean, we, we all face loss in our lives, and, and I in my life have, you know, it started when I was in high school and lost my grandmother. Uh, in fact, actually, it probably started when I was three and or two and lost my great grand or my grandfather on my mother's side. And then my mom's mother passed away when I was in high school. And then through the 2000s, um, losing my um, grandmother in 2003, my mom then passing away in 2006, my grandfather on my dad's side, his father passing away in 2009. And then my dad in 2012 so broken up there every three years I lost someone near and dear to me and loss is a tough thing and we've been going through a lot of that this year with COVID-19 and with the virus and different things of that nature and and so I, I, I didn't get a chance to spend some time this week doing the things that I was hopeful of doing and the reason is because, um, well, <laughs> I lost another person close to me um, and in some ways didn't realize how close I was to this person. Uh, a pastor that was a friend of dad's um, who was a lot closer to my heart than I thought. He He really became someone... Um, he became someone that I could count on to be there. He became someone that I could uh, reach out to and ask the questions that I always asked my dad. It was a pastor who um, for 38 years was in my family. And um, if that tells you anything, I'm 40. Uh, So... Uh, when my dad passed away, he, he became a good friend um, through the radio ministry that I do and his ministry through his church. And um, he was the minister to my family. He did uh, many funerals in my own family, including was one of the pastors that did part of my dad's service. So. All of that to say this, um, it's been a tough week and I, um, we had the, they had the funeral on Wednesday. I was there to help with that. And then as the funeral's finishing up 
you pull out your phone and the first thing you see is what is taking place in Washington, D.C. Folks, my heart has been broken this week, but not for America. Um, not in the way, now don't, don't get me wrong, I, I don't believe there's anything wrong with being, um, with loving your country. I, I think we need to reconsider some priorities. And I entitled this Dear Christian 2.0 because I, I did do a Dear Christian um, podcast before. And on that podcast, I talked about things that are going on. And so these Dear Christian podcasts are going to be the ones that address um, the, the, the issues of the world. And given the circumstances, social media has been lit up with these conversations, with these topics, with these things that are taking place and it's just truly you know it's truly something we need to to truly think about for a minute because what social media has done and I want to talk about the impact of social media on our lives but what social media has done is it has given us a false sense of security, a false sense of pride. It has opened us up to say things we wouldn't normally say to one another. And again, rather than bring somebody else in on this, I wanted to, but I decided, you know, this is a conversation that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart and I'm not going to uh, cloud that. I'm just going to go through it. It, it may we just need to understand, folks, there is something in this that is real. And that is the the keyboard warrior mentality. We have become willing to say and do and act in ways that are not becoming of God's children. They are not what we should be doing First of all, social media is very impersonable. The core of Christ's message is love. So the fact, and, and, and you can argue with me on that if you want, but I, I can back that up. But let me, let me put it this way. Hate doesn't fit a Christian. Hate does not fit a Christian. It, you know, it's not your color. I, I made that joke earlier today, but... It, I think about that. Hate doesn't fit you. It's not your color. Um, and, and, and what I'm seeing happen right now in the world around us, um, because of social media, because of our, quote, rights and our opinions and our uh, freedoms, I'm seeing the, the spiritual side of this. I, I have prayed and asked the Lord for discernment. And I'm seeing the spiritual side of this in a way that I maybe didn't expect to see it. And it took me a couple of days to really get that under my, you know, to really embrace what that was meaning. 
um, reality speaking, you know, this is not an attack from the outside. Um, this is the devil. Yes, it's the devil attacking us, but I don't believe that it's an attack from the outside. And, and what I mean by that is I believe that it is an attack from the inside, not from inside the church necessarily, but from inside us specifically. Now, if we go to the book of James chapter four, that is where I find the text that I want to open the conversation with. Um, and it says this, where do quarrels and conflicts among you come from? Don't they come from this, namely your passions that battle within your body parts? You crave and have not. You murder and you envy, yet you cannot get it. You fight and you wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your passions. James continues and talks about the adulterous nature of people. <laughs> and then he says this. Don't you know your friendship with the world is enmity with God? Is division? It is war <laughs> with God? Friendship with the world is war with God. This battle is, is waging inside of us, folks. We've got to understand that this starts in us. It's not something that is happening around us. It's not that they're waging war on you. It is that the passions within you are waging war on each other. But we are so ready to cast blame that we fail to see that the war is within us. The battle to be right, so to speak. You know, back in Genesis, Genesis 3, 5. You know, if we go back to Genesis 3, 5 and, and take a look at the, the words there. Um, it's disturbing, honestly, because I, I think I've seen something in this that I've never quite seen before. And that is this. It says. Starting verse four, Genesis chapter three, the serpent said to the woman, you most assuredly won't die for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The battle to be right, to taste the same fruit that Adam and Eve partook of. The lies of the enemy that are being told to us. And encouraging us to pursue power and strength and, and war. Not an internal war, but a, a literal, physical, all-out war. Are evil. It's the lies of the devil. It's the literal pursuit to be like God. That's the words that he used with Eve. And when he used those words, she ate. Why did she eat? Because, well... She wanted to be like God. As we look at what's going on around us today, ultimately, that is the desire that leads us to sin. We want the control. We want to have control. And I, 
I say all that and present this as a question for us to ponder today. When did our pursuit of our rights and our freedoms mean that we could ignore the core teaching of Jesus Christ? When did the pursuit for us to be right and be free mean that we could completely ignore the teachings of Christ? I mean, yeah, we want to fight and we want to defend. We, we want to stand up for what we believe in. And we as Americans believe that our country is the greatest in the world. We've constantly made that comparison. We compare ourselves with everyone. And not only that, we begin now comparing ourselves with everyone we meet, with everyone we come across, with everyone we come in contact with. But deeper than that, we have been in search of power as a country from day one. Now, I'm not putting down America. I'm saying that the pursuit of our rights and our freedoms should never infringe on the teachings of Christ in our lives. If we call ourselves Christian, which literally means Christ-like, we should, we, we should be like Christ. We should not be pursuing the evils of this world. Why? I mean, when it comes to our rights and freedoms, those come from God. But why? Why would we not want to pursue those? Well, let me ask this. Why would we expect a world that put Jesus on a cross to be any less brutal to those who follow him? Why would we expect the world to show us respect and love when they put Jesus on a cross? Why? The real, the real thing about what it is that we've got to do right now, and I'm going to say this, hear what I'm saying today. Stop trying to change the world to be like you or see things like you. They hate you and the God you serve. The world despises you. The world despises God. Jesus himself said that the world hated him. And he said, the world will hate you because it hated me first. In this world, you will have trouble, but fear not. I have overcome the world. Stop trying to change the world to be like you or see things like you. They hate you and they hate the God you serve. That is fact. That is truth. So why should we expect comfort and ease? I mean, if that's the case, why? Why would we expect it to be any different? Why would we expect comfort and ease? Why would we expect comfort? When Jesus tells us that we won't have comfort. Jesus said it would be troublesome. He told us to have no fear because he had already won. John 16, tells us that in this world, you will have trouble. I've already quoted it. So why fight against one another for our opinions and our earthly alliances? Why would we fight amongst one another for our earthly opinions, for our earthly rights, for our earthly alliances? Why would we fight one another for those things today? I mean, why? What is the purpose? Listen, I would rather not argue about earthly powers or rights. And I hope that you would feel the same way. 
because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And one day we will be with him. And until then, we are charged to bring as many with us as we can. Don't believe me. Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some wavered. And Jesus came up to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the same name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. How do we teach? We do, right? Well, what did Jesus command? Love God. Love people. Make disciples. Those are the commands. Teach them to love God. Teach them love. That is how we do this. We love Teach them to love God. But we see God is love, right? Teach them to love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Those are the words of Christ. And teach them to also make disciples. Wait, love? Love is the answer? Love is always the answer, folks. Love most assuredly is the answer. Not arguments, not pushing agendas, love, not force, not anger, love. This is why all of this is difficult for us today. This, this is exactly why we don't know love. Well, why don't we know love? Because we don't know God. We don't take the time to open the word. We don't take the time to read. We don't take the time to study. We don't take the time to show ourselves approved anymore. And why? Because we got mad at God one day. We got mad because God wouldn't answer our, our plea. He wouldn't answer our prayer request. He wouldn't answer. Some, what if his answer was no? And it's not a hard question to ask. What if his answer truly was no? I mean, think about it for a minute. What if God's plan was not to give us what we thought we needed when we didn't need it? What if we have just decided to get ourselves all worked up over something when in reality we're struggling and we're failing and we're falling apart at the seams and we don't understand what is truly taking place? God is saying to us today, love one another. And we're saying, but I can't love them if they don't believe the way that I believe. I can't love them if they don't accept me for who I am. I can't love them if they don't look like me. Again, stop trying to make everyone look like you. They hate you. And they hate the God you serve. Folks, we are struggling today. And it's not because of a policy or a procedure. It's not because of something that has happened around us in this world. It is not because of anything that we 
it's not because of anything that that we've passed in this world. It's not because this world is right or wrong. It's straight up because we are at war with ourselves over that battle for our soul in our lives. We are struggling because we are at war, not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual things. We are at war within our own mind about what is right and what is wrong. And we're taking it out on everyone because we want everyone to see it the way we see it when we may not even see it the proper way. That's the point that needs to be made. That's the thing that people have been missing. That's what we have been missing from day one. We have gotten so wrapped up in our own way that we have failed to see what God is truly doing. It's not about force and anger. It's about love. It's not about arguments and pushing agendas. It's about love. And this is why all of it's so hard. We're losing our minds over a battle that has already ended. In fact, we could take a look at it. Well, number one, we want to know why God won't do certain things. But, um, you know, we can get to that here in a minute uh, in Habakkuk chapter two. But what we recognize here is this. The religious right has become today's Pharisee. They're seeking the militant Messiah that they feel will change the world and win it on the back of war. (laughs) Fighting the modern Sadducee for control of a government that is evil and blasting those who believe God when he says he's in control. Yeah, so you've all heard those things, right? Now, before anybody gets angry and says, well, they're not blasting the Christians, they're not blasting, really? Have you heard this statement? You can't be a Christian if. (laughs) I realize there are certain things that are just common sense. If you support them, it goes against God's word. But your opinion of God's word and God's true word are two different things sometimes. So we've got to understand that we can't make those statements either. Folks, it's not. You know, you you can't be a Christian and worship the devil, right? You can't be a Christian, but but to make the statement, you can't be a Christian and support such and such. Um, when it's not a specific issue, telling someone about their political, you know, you the 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 common one is you can't be a Christian and, and be a Democrat or support this or that. You know, I, I'm sorry, I can't buy into that rhetoric and that logic. Why? Because they're not seeing that they too are supporting something that is evil. The government programs, the things that are happening in our government on both sides are evil. And and that's what we need to understand today. Both sides claim to have religious belief. They both tout a God that they say supports their agenda and neither of them are following the word of God. It is evil and all of it is evil. So what are we afraid of, folks, as we look at what's going on in our nation or in the U.S., uh, if you're not in this nation listening, if we look at what's going on in the United States or for that matter throughout the world, what are we afraid of? 
if we're a follower of Christ, nothing, hopefully. You know, it's not about comfort, right? But what are we afraid of? Is it that we're afraid of losing that comfortable religion? Is it that we're afraid of losing our comfort? Jesus never said it would be easy. He never said we wouldn't face troubles and trials. He never said that we wouldn't be challenged. He never said any of that. What he did say was love one another as I have loved you. What he did say was love God first. He said love one another as you love yourself and as he loved us. He said, love one another. And he said, make disciples. Not shun them because they don't agree with your viewpoint. How do we make disciples today? Well, let's look at what that love is. It's it's not name calling. It's not race baiting. It's not breaking and entering. It's not burning down the world until somebody sees things your way. It is not anything that is evil. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, it is kind, it's peaceful, it doesn't brag on itself, it holds no record of wrong, it is not arrogant, rude, or self-seeking, it endures all things, it hopes for a brighter day. You know, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. And then the last part of that in 1 Corinthians 13 says love never fails, which means God never fails if God is love. Love never fails. That love went to a cross and gave his life for those he came to save. That love, that sacrificial love, true love, what we are seeing happen around us today is not love. It is not love for man or for God. It is love for policy, procedure, and platform. It is love for opinion. You know, one of, one of the things we've got to realize, and do not take this out of the context with which I'm saying it, but one of the things that we have to realize is that Jesus technically didn't come to save the world. He came to save us from the world. Now, granted, the verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the world, we are told we cannot be friends with God and friends with the world. We cannot do both. So if we are the world, we are loved. But we are to be saved out of the world. We are to be saved out of worldly ways. We are to be saved out of the things that are going on around us. He didn't necessarily come to save the world. He came to save us out of the world, to pull us out, to give us hope, opportunity, and love. God never fails. See, the right is evil. The left is evil. We are claiming it is a spiritual war and a war that is spiritual is what's going on inside of you right now. Using God's name in vain to push your political ideas and agendas is not and will never be right. It is evil. And the saddest part is that decent people are falling victim and have no clue they're falling into the trap. 
The devil is playing a game. And we have become like Babylon. We, we truly have. The flag has become a graven image that we would rather worship than the one who died to give us true freedom. We are worshiping it as such, too. We, we are worshiping the flag like it's Christ. Christ died on a cross. The flag is a banner of our country. Now, do not get me wrong. Again, I am proud to be an American as an American citizen. But when my citizenship of America tries to override my citizenship of the kingdom of God, I cannot stand for it. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God first and foremost. Our rights, our freedoms, all idols. We are literally in a battle right now where folks are fighting to save those more than love their brother and sister. Wait, what? Yeah. We're trying to fight to save our rights and our freedoms while we hate and we and we put down and we tear down our brother. Many of which might also be a believer with you. But we've allowed our politics to play a bigger part. We've allowed our politics to overrun us. We have allowed our politics to speak louder than our love. Remember this, the religious of the day. We talked about this a few weeks ago with Christmas. The religious of the day missed it because they were looking for a militant Messiah to deliver them through the wages of war. Jesus was not a militant Messiah. Jesus brought peace. Jesus brought love. Jesus was not the Messiah they were looking for. And today he's not been the Messiah that we are looking for. We are looking for it in a policy, a procedure, in a president, and it shouldn't be that way. What are you expecting to happen? I mean, is it too much to put politics aside and just love one another? Is it too much to stop dividing the body of Christ over worldly issues? Is it too much to love your fellow man? I mean, hear me for that for a minute. Is it too much for us to love one another? Is it too much for us to love our neighbor as ourself? Is it too much to love one another as he has loved us? Is it too much to put love in front of politics? To put love in front of personal opinion? Because remember, God is love and love is God. It's the same. It's not different. God is love. Therefore, are we putting those things before God? We are told in the word of God that they will know us by our love. It tells us that he, he tells the followers they will know you. They will know you are mine because of your love. Well, guess what? The world knows that and they're seeing it today and they are saying you are not his. You are not God's. You do not believe what you say you believe because you have not love. Remember what it says. You can't love God and, lo and hate your brother because how can you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? You cannot love God and hate your brother it is okay to love your country it is not okay to put that love above the love for your brother or sister in christ it is not okay to put that love above god so my question is what are they seeing in you today
What are they seeing in you today? One of the thoughts that came to mind about all of this that has been running through my head over the last few days is later in the first cha- or in the 13th chapter of first Corinthians, when Paul says to the Corinthian church, look, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. What is happening in our country and in our world today is childish. It is childish to the nth degree. They are speaking like children no, you do. No, you are. But what am I? You know, those type things. I mean, people literally trying to find ways to hurt others. That is not love. They're speaking like children. They're thinking like children. They're reasoning like children. It's all a game of revenge. It's all about how we can get back at one another. And none of it is godly. But when I became a man, I put away those childish things. When you grow up, when you become an adult, when you make your way forward in life, you put away the childish attitudes and actions. It's heartwarming to think that, but it's heartbreaking to see that visually and understand what it means. I I love people and i have been burdened not for america but for people for those who are trying to carry their way through this life and think they're pushing a gospel message that is laden with politics and tearing the witness apart because the world is going to see it and it's going to look like the world because they don't understand yes the ways of god are foolish to men but folks God is not about the American politic. God is not about the personal opinion. God gave us a book that speaks directly to his way. Not an opinion, but a fact. His way is in that book. It speaks for itself. And we should share his love. He is love. God is love. Love one another as I have loved you. One thing that comes... um, up in my mind however though is going back to the book of Habakkuk and in Habakkuk chapter one starting in verse one I'm I'm just going to start right here at the beginning the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw how long God have I cried for help yet you do not hear I cry out to you violence yet you do not deliver why do you show me wickedness and why must I behold mischief Yes, devastation and violence was, are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, your word has no effect. And justice never goes forth. The law has no effect. And justice never goes forth. The Torah has no effect. For the wicked encircle the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Now, I have not, I'm not going to continue yet, but... Listen to what that is saying. How long, God, have I cried for your help and you do not hear? And I'm telling you, there's violence in the world. There's heartache. There's hurt. There's trouble. Listen to what God replies. He says, look among the nations, observe, astonish yourself, be astounded for a work is being done in your days. You will not believe it if it were told. Wait, what? 
God says, look at what I'm doing. Watch and see. Wait for it. (laughs) Wait for it. Because if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Habakkuk wants to know uh, one of the shortest, sweetest things Billy Graham I ever heard him preach was this message. He said that Habakkuk asked God, show me what you're doing. And God said, no, because if I told you what I'm doing, you wouldn't believe it anyway. That is the simplicity of the gospel. It is beyond our understanding. And God telling Habakkuk, just like he's telling us today, if I told you what's happening, you wouldn't believe it anyway. But God is saying, I'm doing great things. I'm going to do great things and good things are to come and be astonished, be astounded, be amazed. A work is being done in your days. You will not believe it if it were told. For I am about to raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation, impetuous nation, marching all over the land to seize dwellings not on its own, dreadful and terrifying its justice and dignity derive from itself. That is what he told Habakkuk he was getting ready to do. He's raising up his children today. And what is going to take place in this world, regardless of anything else, we serve a God who's saying to us, watch and see. See if I don't do what I've promised. See if I don't follow through on my word. See if I don't show you something great today. Dear Christian, hate is not a good color on you. And we don't need to carry hate in our heart for anyone. We're allowing our personal opinions and our political affiliations to wreck us all because of a war that's going on within our own minds and in our own hearts a battle within us for good and evil a battle that is spiritual between good and evil within us and we're choosing to follow the path of evil because it gets quicker results he told Habakkuk in chapter 2 and this is what I was getting at um, is In chapter two, God replies again and he says, it says, then God answered me and said, write down the vision, make it plain on the tablet so that the reader may run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens to the end and it will not fail. If it should be slow in coming, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. That's verses two and three of chapter two. The promise there is You may not see what's coming. And in fact, in chapter one, God even told Habakkuk, you you wouldn't believe it if I told you. So just sit back and watch. And then in chapter two, here, write this down. And that way, future generations can look back and see it, too. God has promised that his plan will not fail. Whatever that plan is. And he's inviting us to sit back and watch today. We're fighting a battle amongst ourselves and we're allowing evil to rip us apart at the seams. What is God's plan for us in all of this? I don't believe it's division. I'm not saying we should jump on board and support something immoral just because we think that it's right to be together what i'm saying is we should find a place of unity that is based in god's word and start there how 
Well, they know unless someone preaches it to them, share the gospel. Be instant. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. All of these things going on around them. Paul writing to Timothy and he gives him a charge. He says, I give you this. Preach the word. Preach the word. Don't not fight politically, not tell them that they're wrong and that they're going to hell, not curse them and bless them out and all of these things. He says, preach the word. What does that say to me today? It says that we should open up God's word and we should preach it. Allowing that word to speak out to all generations, to the ends of the earth, to draw them in. Because that is what it will do. The love of God through his word, speaking to all nations. God says his word will not return void. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. There will come a day that they will turn themselves over to itching ears, but you do not give in. They're going to find what they want to hear. Don't give in. Preach the word. They're going to look for people who say it because it matches their opinion. Don't give in. Preach the word. That's the charge of Paul to Timothy. And I fully believe the charge of God and all of us. Preach the word. And regardless of what's going on around you, no matter what politic, procedure, person, all of it. If it's not of God, don't preach it. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, whether it's a good season or a bad season. Well, right now it feels like a bad season. Preach the word when the season grows and it's good again. Preach the word in all seasons. Preach the word there in lies the message. Preach the word. It will speak for itself. It will defend itself. It will not return void. That is the truth for today. Folks, I hope that you will take that to heart today. I hope you will understand that this is what is going on in our world. It's not necessarily a battle that's going on around us. What it is, however, is a battle within us between good and evil. A battle we can win because we've got the spirit of God on our side. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. We're going to close in prayer. Not only for us moving forward but for the things that are going on in this world today father god we thank you lord for the opportunity to gather around your word in this way lord i pray that you would help us to preach the word to be instant in season and out of season lord to share the gospel with those we come in contact with and lord never to reserve it from anyone Lord, help us to be the example you've called us to be to live a life that you've called us to live to preach the word and be ready to share it Lord maybe we're guilty of asking you to show us what you're doing and maybe the answer you're giving is like you gave Habakkuk that we wouldn't understand anyway and we wouldn't believe it if you told us but God help us to see what you're doing help us to be patient and wait Lord you remind us in your word constantly to wait on you well Lord I pray that today we will wait on you that we would rise up on wings as eagles, that we would walk and not grow weary, we would run and not faint. Lord, help us to be yours the way you've called us to be today. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing word, for your guidance and your leadership in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all we need 
Go with us, lead us, and direct us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't.